Well, happy Mother's Day, y'all. It's my first Mother's Day, and so I'm kind of excited. <laughs> Thanks. I, I'm excited, and it's so wonderful that you guys chose to spend part of your Mother's Day with us. Thank you for coming out. But I also know because of the journey that I've walked, um, if you didn't know, it took us a few years to conceive our little boy, Boston. So I know how hard Mother's Day can be for some people. And so before I even jump into this story, I want to say for the one who has lost a mother, for the mother who has lost a child, for the mother who is flying solo, doing it all on her own, for the ones who long to be a mom, and for the one who is a spiritual mom to many, you are not forgotten today. Today is for you too, because today we don't just honor every mom in the room, we honor every woman in the room, and God sees you, God sees every challenge you walk through, he's with you with every celebration that you have, he sees you in the highs and the lows, and I want you to know that you are cherished and loved by God, but also by your church family. We love you and we see you. And today we're actually going to explore a story. It's this beautiful story of a woman named Hagar in Genesis chapter 16. You can read along in your Bible or read along on the screen with me. But it says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Say, Hagar. That was just a few people. Say, Hagar. Here we go. So Sarai said to Abram, well, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I could have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. Interesting. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. And then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. Oh, drama, Old Testament drama. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord's going to show who's wrong, you or me. And Abram replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. And then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. But the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness, along the road to Shur. And the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from? And where are you going? Well, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. But the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. I will give you more descendants than you can count. You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and, will ev and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Bir Lahai Roy, which means well of the living one who sees me. And it can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. What a story. What a strangely difficult season of life for this woman named Hagar. She was single, she was young, she was a servant, a slave to Abram and Sarai. She was a foreigner, and now she was pregnant and all on her own. 
she probably felt very invisible, not only in this moment, but also throughout her life, always serving others in the background. Yet when she fell pregnant, which was initiated by Sarai, then she was forced into the limelight and became the growing bump between Abram and Sarai, literally. Once considered almost invisible, she was forced into that situation and her environment and situation became all too much for her. And so what did she do? She ran. You know, I can remember in our journey of unexplained infertility, and I can remember being in that journey and at times feeling so alone and so invisible at times. And when I was walking through that, it seemed like everybody else around me was getting pregnant and starting a family. And it seemed like there was a particular anointing on the house of Papakura where baby after baby was being born while I was waiting. And if I'm being fully honest with you guys, every time we did a child dedication service, and we did a lot, there was so much in me, the human side of me, that wanted to run and hide in those moments. But the spiritual side of me as a woman of faith and as your pastor wanted to bless your children and love on them even if they weren't my own. But I remember in that season wondering, when will I get to hold and carry and bless a baby of my own? And I'm wondering if you've ever felt the same or had seasons in your life where you just felt invisible and alone. You felt maybe like God wasn't noticing you or like people weren't noticing you. And you just wanted to run and hide and think, does anybody see me in my situation? Does anybody see what's going on for me right now? Remember, Hagar, she was young, single, a slave, a foreigner. And yet we see in this story of Hagar, she does something very rare in Scripture. She gives God a name. Hagar actually has one of the longest recorded conversations with God of any woman in the Old Testament. See, up to this point, God had given himself names. He called himself Elohim, the creator, Yahweh, I am who I am, El Shaddai, God Almighty, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. But Hagar is the only person in all of scripture to use the name El Roy. Because she said, for in this place, I have seen the one who sees me. Now, isn't that such a powerful statement? Hagar, alone in her weakest moment in the desert, is given a new perspective on who God really is. He became personal to her in this moment. He became personal to what she was facing. In Be Bex's book, A Thousand Times Enough, when she talks about this story, she said she may have been invisible to the world, but she was seen by the God of the universe. Not only did he see her, but he promised to bless her. And so she gave him a name, the God who sees me. And see, what God saw in Hagar that day, God sees in you and I. God sees a few things when he looks at every single one of us, not just every woman, but every man, every teenager, every child. God looks at you and God sees your past. And it doesn't scare him. God sees our past. And maybe you have a past like Hagar's that is broken or filled with shame, or it's filled with the weight of the sin and the mistakes that you've made. Hagar, remember, she was despised. She was scorned, mistreated, and rejected by the woman that she was serving. Hagar was also forced to sleep with her 85-year-old master. Why? Because Sarai wanted to Abram to have a child, and so she took matters into her own hands and said, here, sleep with my slave. Hagar was severely mistreated and was really suffering when she decided to run away. And I look at this story of Hagar. She's newly pregnant, running away from her mistress Sarai into the wilderness. And I see a woman who was very likely struggling with her mental wellness at the moment. You know, obviously it wouldn't have been diagnosed in ancient Israel, but perhaps she had antenatal depression, which is depression during pregnancy. 
which is this feeling of hopelessness. And in modern day society, women can actually seek help through prescribed medication, but even with that medication, there's this weight of shame and stigma attached to it. But Hagar wouldn't have had that. Hagar didn't even have the help of community or a Plunkett nurse or a Plunkett hotline to call. She was all on her own. She was forced to become a surrogate and have a child that would be raised by her master. So she ran without a plan, without a destination, and without looking back. You know, it's normal to feel guilt and condemnation about our past, about our mistakes that we've made what we've been involved with, or even what's been done to us, because that is one of the greatest weapons the devil would love to use against you, because he wants to pin on you every mistake that you have ever made and cause you to feel such shame that you run away into isolation and away from community. But we need to be reminded this morning of Romans 8, verse 1, where it says, so now there is no condemnation, say no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That means when you become a believer and you accept God into your life, there is no condemnation for your past. He is not scared of your past. In fact, he has grace and forgiveness for your past. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. Ephesians 1.7 says God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. God sees your past, but God sees more than that. God also sees your present. God sees our present. You know, Boston has reached the age where he loves the game of peekaboo. If you want to make our child laugh, disappear for a moment and reappear with a big smile on your face, and he will love you. Um, He absolutely loves this game where adults look like absolute goobers, right, disappearing and reappearing in order to make a child laugh. And in our house, I am an absolute nut. I will do anything to make that child have a deep belly laugh. It just... That is the biggest dopamine hit when I hear Boston's laugh. In fact, oftentimes during dinner, we will play the game of peekaboo by one of us popping in and out of the pantry. And Boston thinks it is the funniest and the greatest thing in the world. I had him laughing so hard last night. Rossi was like, okay, you need to stop so I can feed him. Um, But I was enjoying myself. But also, Boston loves when we come find him. Especially after his nap. When he wakes up from his nap. He'll always turn around so he can face the door, knowing that's where we're going to come in. He'll prop himself up, try to look over the crib to see when it is we're going to come in. And if we're not moving soon enough, he'll look at the monitor, little clever boy, and go, ooh. Like, he will legit make noises towards the monitor saying, y'all, I'm awake. Come find me. And when we come into his room, when we open that door, Boston gets this full body excited to see us. Now, I mean, Boston goes into full butterfly swim mode. He's just... So excited to see his favorite people in the world. It is the cutest thing ever because Boston loves to be found by the people that love him the most. And whether you realize it or not, God is coming looking for you too. God is coming to find you. He wants you to be known by him. He wants you to be loved by him. And we can get that same excitement. In verse 11, it says, the angel of the Lord found Hagar by a spring in the wilderness. Now, a lot of people breeze over this scripture, and they're like, okay, an angel came to find her. It was just a messenger sent by God. No, no, no. The angel of the Lord is who found Hagar. And from the Bible recap, if you've ever digged into that resource or if you haven't, highly recommend it. But I've learned that this is known as a Christophany. 
This is the pre-incarnate Jesus. This was God the Son appearing on earth before he was born to the Virgin Mary. So you see, God didn't just notice Hagar. God went to find her. He went looking for her and found her where? By the well. And what is a well? It's a place of thirst. It's a place of rest on a long and tiresome journey. And what a beautiful thing it would have been found, what it would have been for Hagar to be found in that moment. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth. Why? Because you think God is trying to come and condemn, condemn you and make you feel guilty. No, he wants to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. And when we find ourselves in a wilderness season, thirsty at the well, it might be the very place where we could gain a new perspective on who God truly is. Because God sees you right here, right now. Even if you're in a dark place and you feel exactly like Hagar, alone, confused, not sure of what the future holds for you. Even if you're scared about your present circumstance, I want to remind you that in every moment, in every season, God sees you. And he actively is coming to find you, to sit with you and be present with you in whatever it is that you're facing. And we see how much Hagar values being found by God in this moment. So much so she gives him a name, El Roy. In her weakest moment where she felt mistreated, abused, and abandoned, she discovered God in a deep and a powerful way. And this encounter with the angel of the Lord gave her this newfound strength and resilience that she needed to keep journeying on in her pregnancy on her way to becoming a mother. Now, was motherhood going to look like the way that she pictured it when she was young? No, not at all. But was the God of the universe going to see her through this journey of motherhood? Yes. Was God going to meet her in the middle of her pain? Yes. Was God going to show her a glimpse of her future as a mom? Yes. God sees your past. He sees your present, but God also sees your future. Keys can come join me now. God sees our future. Now, the angel of the Lord, when he found Hagar, he asked her two questions. He said, Hagar, where have you come from and where are you going? But did you notice that Hagar only answered the first question, where have you come from? She didn't answer the second question, where are you going, because she probably didn't know. She probably didn't know where she was headed. She was probably filled with such hopelessness that she had no hope for the future. She didn't even know she'd make it through that day. She found a well, which was some water, but had she already run out of food? How much food did she have to sustain her? Who was going to help her give birth if she reached that point? Who was going to help her provide for this baby boy? She doesn't know where she's going. Now, has anybody ever felt like that where you know where you've come from, but you've just got no idea where you're going? You've got no idea what the future holds for you. No idea what tomorrow is going to look like. But God saw her future, and he spoke hope into Hagar's heart. Not only is he the only one that actually speaks her name in this story, we know her name from the writer of this story, but Abram and Sarai, they just called her the Egyptian slave. But God calls her Hagar and promises to bless her greatly and multiply her descendants. God even names her unborn son. In verse 11, you will name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. Ishmael means God hears. It might not be how she wanted her son to be described as a wild donkey, but in that moment, Hagar felt validated. 
she felt seen, and she knew that God saw her son as well. She knew that God saw her son not as a slave, but rather the son of a promise. And God saw her future and promised to bless her. And here at Elam, you need to know that we believe God is so much more interested in your future than in your past. We've all got a past. We've all made mistakes. But God has a promising future for all of us if we would have the courage to step into it. You might be living with some big regrets. Maybe you've failed a few times. I think everybody in the room has. But we serve a God of the second chance. We serve a God who sees us not just for where we are or where we've come from, but for where we are going. God sees who we could truly be. And we know that if anyone is in Christ, they're what? A new creation. They are a new creation, meaning the old is gone and the new has come. My friends, you do not have to keep reliving your past. You don't have to stay stuck in your present patterns, but there is hope for your future if you would have the courage to step into it. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite writers, said, there are far better things ahead than anything you leave behind. Maybe when you walked into the door of our church, you might not have noticed it as you've been coming along for a while, but when you first walk into the right, there's a scripture, a scripture that our church was founded on, Jeremiah 29, 11. But I want to read you the verses after that as well. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. See, oftentimes we're just like Hagar. There is a deep longing in every single human to be truly known and to be truly seen. We need a personal God. We need a personal encounter. We need a personal revelation just like Hagar had in that moment where she declares, you are the God who sees me. And she calls him El Roy. And what's interesting is that the angel of the Lord met her where? At the well, at a place of thirst where someone in the desert is looking for something to sustain them for just a little bit longer in their journey, right? And this well is now known as the well of the living one who saw her. It is the well where she found the living water that would sustain her on her journey to becoming a mom. You know, I've only been a mom for eight and a half months, but I've found myself at the well many times. I've found myself in moments where I've felt dry and thirsty and exhausted from lack of sleep or exhausted from not knowing what to do or how to juggle everything in my life. And in those moments, what do I long for? A personal God who sees me, who sits with me and fills me with living water. And I'm so grateful that we have rivers of living water available to us. I'm so grateful that we have the Holy Spirit who can fill us. You see, the Holy Spirit is available to us every single day. The Holy Spirit is not just a well placed sporadically in the desert where you have to journey a few hard days before you find him again. No, when you become a believer, believer, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. That means you've got this well of living water within you. That means wherever you go, living water goes with you. The Holy Spirit is also called the advocate. That means he fights for you. He's called the comforter. That means he's there to sustain you and to soothe you. Not only does God see you today, but he wants to fill you with living water. He wants to quench the thirst of your soul so that you have the strength to keep journeying forward wherever it is that you find yourself. 
And this Mother's Day, I want you to know with full confidence that the God of the universe sees you. He sees your situation. It's not too small for him, but also your battles are not too big for him. He sees you and he calls you by name even if others in your world don't. He helps heal the wounds that others have inflicted. He finds you even when you run away from him and he fills you even when you feel like the life has been drained out of you. He reminds you of your future and those moments when you start to lose hope. It is so important that we know our identity in Christ. Because when we find ourselves in a wilderness situation like Hagar, it's very easy to forget. It's very easy to forget in those moments as we keep searching for the well, thinking maybe I'll find God tomorrow, and we keep searching and striving in our own strength, and we forget that the well is now within. We forget that we actually just need to tap within to say, Holy Spirit, would you comfort me in this moment? Holy Spirit, would you fight for me in this moment? Holy Spirit, would you see me in this moment? Imagine if we could see ourselves and we could see other people the way that God truly sees them. Imagine if we could validate those people in our world by truly seeing them, by finding them at the well, by finding them in a place of thirst and taking a moment to sit with them, to hear them, to acknowledge their pain, to understand their story, because I believe there are so many people in our community and even with our within our church sitting among us that are crying out to be seen just so that somebody would know what's going on in their world. Especially because we've lived through a very strange season of extended lockdowns and long periods of isolation. And we were created to be seen and to be known and to be in community. Imagine if we could become a mobilized church, a group of people that would go find men, women, children sitting at the well at a place of thirst and we were to introduce them to living water. Imagine we could have the courage to take that living water ourselves. Imagine how your own story could be turned around if you were to just invite God into your life in this moment and allow him to fill you with living water today. Because if you can relate to Hagar on any level, and let me say it again, I sound like a broken record, but I want you to know that God sees you. He sees you and we see you too. Right now you're at the well of the living one who sees you. You're at the well of living water. And today, you could allow him to quench the thirst of your soul. Because Hagar found the one who saw her past, saw her present and her future. And she gave him a name. And our hope as believers is also found in a name. The name above all of the names, which is Jesus. Zephaniah 3.17 says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness, with his love. He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Did you know that true joy, true purpose, true love, true hope is found in a personal relationship with Jesus? And I know that there's people here today that have been wandering through a desert season. And you've been wondering, does anybody see me? Does God see me? Can I tell you he does? And he invites you to be in personal relationship with him today. And I know there's people in the room that are ready to say yes to Jesus, that are ready to drink the living water that is available to you. Because the reality is we all face the same problem. We're all sinners. We've all made mistakes. And we all needed a way to be made right with God. And so what did God do? God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to this world 
fully God and fully human. And he took our place on that cross because our sins deserved punishment. It deserved the weight of death. But Jesus said, I will take your place. And he took the sins of the world upon his shoulders. And he made a way for us to be made right with God. He died. But then three days later, he rose again. He rose into new life and invited us into new life with him. See, when you say yes to Jesus, three things happen. See, first, he looks at your past, and he says, I have forgiveness for you. I have grace for you. He looks at your present, and he says, I am here with you. I'm going to fight for you. He looks at your future, and he says, I've got hope for you. I've got eternal life for you. Three things can change in a moment. 